Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse Ace. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse Ace and Kate will break it down for you now. Kate, I'm brilliant. That's an interesting way to start. Caught me off guard with that one, didn't I? Yeah. But if the fact of it, it's true. Do you remember our, uh, remember our Caldecott episode where I gave you two out of all the picture books in the entire year that were published in 2019, I gave you two that could win Caldecotts in some way? Yeah, and you, you picked the winner? I picked one of the honors. That is super good. Oh, come on. <sighs> No, I didn't pick the wit. I didn't pick the gold, but I picked one of the silver. That is super good. Going down home with Daddy, got a Caldecott honor, along with a bunch of other books. That's that the one that we picked. If in neither of the two books that I presented to you were my original two that I was going to propose, I couldn't get those holds in time, and neither of those two books won anything. Nice. So <laughs> it all worked out. Yay! Going home, down home with Daddy, and the winner was uh, undefeated. By uh, Kwame Alexander, illustrated by Kadir Nelson. The very first gold for Mr. Kadir Nelson. He has never gotten the gold before. If you've ever looked at a particularly beautiful New Yorker cover and thought to yourself, that's a heck of a portrait, that was by that was by Kadir Nelson. Oh, yes. So you are undefeated in not picking a winner. <laughs> I... Do you like how I set you up for that? I picked an honor. I'm feeling very good about that. Well, now so. i got to make an ant shirt dress yeah and i might have to make a chicken dress is that does any chicken dress it's i know right it has that's to be where like the, it has got to be, be particularly like beautiful the egg design oh one. i know yeah i i may be in trouble yeah. yeah meanwhile who are you i am kate yeah and i'm betsy uh, why are we here we talk picture books we do why because good enough okay <laughs> moving on no we do it for a reason we, oh. we, we do it so that we could determine which classic picture books should be called classic picture books, and which should be consigned to the dustbin of history. Right, so like a 10 or a 1. That's basically what it boils down right. to, okay. yes. Um, wanted, I do actually want to start with a somewhat sober note. If we're already talking about Caldecott's, uh, Caldecott honor winner Susan Jeffers died uh, last week on January 22nd. She won her 1974 Caldecott honor for three jovial huntsmen. Just wanted to... Just wanted to give her a little shout out. She did beautiful books, and uh, I liked her work very much. So just wanted to do a little hat tip to that woman. All right, hat tip done. Excellent. So uh, Kate, do you ever watch? Did you ever watch Reading Rainbow at all? Of course. Did you? You may recognize today's book from Reading Rainbow because indeed it was the only place I ever saw it as a child. But in fact, it is it is rather well known. We're gonna see if you recognize it. Gonna pull it out of the bag. Boo da 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 boo. A chair for my mother. By Vera B. Williams. Verily, yes, it is. I'll see myself out now. Thank you very much. All right. Bye then. Uh, yes. Have you ever heard of this? Nope. And you have no memory of the Reading Rainbow involving it. Great. Then we are two for two. Magnificent. Well, why don't you take this book? Okay. And go read that book. Okay. Marvelous. 
while Kate does a read, I'll give you a little background information on Miss Verabi Williams. Uh, Verabi Williams, who is a member of PEN, the organization for uh, beating censorship around the world for with writers. Um, I was part of the young youth portion of PEN in New York, and so was Verabi Williams. But I don't think I said all all three words to her. She was cranking out books till the very end, but it took her a while to get started. As a child, she thought she was going to make uh, books for a living, and then she got older, and that, like many plans you have when you're a kid, kind of got shoved under the rug. And then she says, and this is how she put it, an old friend, Remy Charlip, generously gave me the chance to illustrate a book he and Lillian Moore had written, Hooray for Me. I was quite unaware that I was going to do a second book, and a third, and so forth. So. Remy Charlie, who you all recall did the book Fortunately, which we did in a previous episode, he was the reason that we have a Verabee Williams to this day. Who knew? Here, Betsy, have a seat. Mm, eh? I'm, I'm in a seat. Well, is it as comfy as this seat? Darling, nothing in the world is as comfy as that seat. Well, let's start from the beginning. Okay. <laughs> which is... A little strange, right. because on the cover, I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, the mom doesn't have an arm. She doesn't have a left arm. A left arm. So I'm like, wow, that's really tough being Maybe a waitress her... when you only have one arm. <laughs> one arm waitress mom would be a very interesting story. Are you sure she's just not turned away, so the well, arm behind her? Just you wait. Okay. So the very first, like, the beginning of the story starts off with the same exact picture as the cover, okay. right? The only difference really being is the name of the diner ah. instead of the name of the book. However, there's one other difference between the two that I don't quite understand. Okay. In the story, there's a bird on top of the diner. On the cover, the bird is gone. Why? Well, that's the darndest thing I ever did <laughs> you see. You know, like those those games where you look at two images and you're trying yeah. to figure out the difference between the two? Yeah, like in Highlights Magazine or yeah, something. Yeah, that, that's the only one I could find. Why? Like the text the on the chalkboard is the same, the girl doing I don't know what with the Well, this okay, here's my theory. <laughs> the bird was very close to, would have been very close to the letters because the letters go right to the edge when the title is but there. But it could have been between A and chair. You still have to move the bird. No, no, no. The bird could have gone. On the, you, you, I'm just wondering, how did they redo that title? Because this is pre-computer. So how did they completely identically replicate it, except for, like, the top half? I think she redid the top half and just forgot about the bird. It's very weird. It's me. really weird, actually. <laughs> I don't know why. So anyway, so the story is about this mother who works at a diner, mm. but it's her child that's telling the story. Right. About how her... The child will sometimes help at the diner that her mom works at, and the mom will save up her money, the kid will save up her money, and they will combine their coins into this giant jar. When the mom's mom comes over, sometimes she'll give her some money as well, and they'll add it to this jar. Right. And then I noticed, wow, the mom's left arm is back, but the right arm is gone. <laughs> she's, she's in kind of a funky position, so clearly this is at the end of a long day, she's kicked off her shoes... She's, she's got the got size herself, of her feet, yeah. She's got herself in the most uncomfortable position, throwing her right arm back now? It's just strange. It is weird. I don't know why that arm would be like, as far be Like, she's holding it, like, 
it looks like somebody would like have her arm like you know when like people are like you know but bullies will like put a person's arm behind their back yeah it looks like someone's doing that to her but there's no one there but don't worry her arms come back but i'll show you when so they (laughs) so they're saving up their money for a chair yeah a big comfy rose velvety rose covered chair yeah because apparently they lost everything in a fire. Right. One, so she goes, so it's like, yeah. flashback. Oh, is this a flashback? When she has two arms. Hey. <laughs> she does. And they were walking along. The mother was enjoying red tulips. The child's enjoying yellow tulips. When all of a sudden they get to their home. Aww. And it is on fire. Yeah. Now it says the, their uncle... The, the the little girl's uncle, mm. so the girl the 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 mother's brother. Yes, right. Very good. You know what an so, uncle is. Saw yes. them and ran to them, and the mother immediately was asking for her mother, the grandmother. Right, right, right. Um, well, then her the the little girl's aunt was waving and shouting, "She's here! She's here! Don't worry, everything's okay." I can't tell if that's the uncle or the aunt. You know, when you were talking, I was assuming it was the uncle, but he looks. But like now Jim, it, well, now he looks, looks like, like a young Jimmy Olsen. He, he I, well, and now you think, well, is that the aunt? But either way, they look a little too happy for what's happening. Mm. Probably. Well, maybe. Well, but if you were saying, "Don't worry, your mom is alive," that's a good reason to be happy. Yes. Or at least a sense, like, like you don't want to have like this look of complete like horror on your face as you're approaching the person who thinks their mom is dead. Right. You need to be like, it's okay. It's okay. But if you're running, yeah. you'd be like... But you can see their arms are like doing the pointing thing. Like, she's over there. Like, that's what that is. Or is she pointing, like, you're looking at the point thinking she's in there. Oh, yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah, yeah. Now, the whole the whole thing that this person, whether it's the <laughs> uncle or the aunt, is doing is just wrong. The facial expression, the pointing, just stop it. I'm going to call them Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> okay. And we're done. <laughs> so the fire, it's apparently, it says, Got turned it. everything to charcoal and ashes, except for the wooden chair that apparently didn't burn. It just broke. <laughs> what? Well, maybe it wasn't actually wood. Maybe that was like that's, some corroded metal thing. I don't know, man. That's happened so, right? You have like a huge disaster and then there's like one pristine like teapot that's in the middle of everything. A for teapot, no I'd understand, but a wooden chair? <laughs> I don't know. In a fire? It's weird. I'm not saying it's not weird. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. So, right. But I do like how along the edges of the story, there's all these wilted flowers. Oh, it's the tulips. Yeah, and they're all... They were looking at tulips and now they're tulips. They're, they're all dead. Yeah. Aww. I thought that was a nice touch. That's a very nice touch because on the previous one, the border was flames. Yeah. And Ooh. now it's and now it's dead tulips. Now it's dead tulips, yeah. And now it's... I think oh, I think they're growing, growing, growing flowers. flowers. At first, yeah. I was like, "Why are there anchors?" No, they're growing flowers. <laughs> We're going to sea, child. We never see the father. Maybe he's a sailor. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's got a houseboat. So it's nice that so the entire neighborhood gets together. The mother and daughter moving to where the uncle and aunt were living. The uncle and aunt moved to the empty downstairs apartment. And the entire neighborhood brings over everything from table and chairs to pots and pans to curtains. You would think this was the main story. This is still a flashback, right? I, yeah. 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 That's very interesting. Like, from a narrative perspective, that's an interesting choice in a picture book, I would say. I, I like how everyone is donating something except for one person. 
You know who that one person is? Who's that one is? person, Kate? It's that kid eating the pizza oh, that yeah. his father is trying to donate. The kid the... looks like he could be four. You really can't expect the, the kid The kid doesn't to... look like he needs pizza, all right? No, I would agree. I would agree, but, you know. And you're... why did the father stop the kid and be like, this is not your pizza? Well, maybe he, the dad works in a pizza joint, and he has, like, the kid is just eating one of the pizzas oh. from in there, right? So he's like, oh, the kid's crying, just poke a pizza in his mouth and then we can deliver these pizzas to these that's, people who lost all their stuff. That's my solution to life. Exactly. Is... Just poke a pizza in their mouth. Right. Anyway. Pizza poke. So, so poke, poke, poke. now we're back to what? Um, reality? Yeah. Like present day. Present day. That's present what I meant day. to say. Right. Reality. <laughs> not, not this beautiful fantasy land <laughs> right. we were in before. So we're back to present time. Yes. Where the jar that they've been collecting coins is now full. Truly And full. I wanted to check because at the end of this paragraph, there's a drawing of a dime. A really good drawing of a dime. And I put a real dime on yeah, top yeah, of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect. Whoa! And it's an exact size. Because it looks the size of a dime. It is a dime. Wow! Well done, Vera B. Williams. You can draw a dime. <laughs> I can't draw a dime. I can't draw a dime. It's got either. the fashions on the back and everything. You can even read it says one dime, United States of America. Yeah, all that yeah, stuff. yeah. Anyway, so they've saved up all this money. They've now gone to the bank. They've exchanged all these coins for ten dollar bills, mm-hmm. and now they're off to buy a chair. Right. So they go to four different chair shops. Yep, that's all right. To sit in chairs. Mm-hmm. Now keep in mind they don't own a car. They're dry they're getting yeah, on a yeah, bus yeah. Yeah. and going from one furniture they store to another. They probably planned out the store. whole route that morning so wow. they could figure out which chair place was closest and then work their way around them and But what out if the they went to them. like store one, two, three, and by four they're like we like this the chair in store number one. So right, then, but you know, at least you've looked at your options. So then they yeah. have to get back on the bus. Oh, yeah, you do. oh yeah, exhausting. You do. Oh so, public transportation, man. Takes so, forever. So they get on to the last store. They find the chair of their dreams. And I, you know what I see when I look at this picture? Oh, like a little beam of light, well, yeah, practically. Yeah, because it's on a golden rug. It is. Dead center. And it is this hideous Aww. red rose velvet. You would not have this in your home. Well, not my home, but if I had a more color. I, I don't. What am I wearing right now, Kate? I'm wearing blue and brown. I'm not a colorful person, so... But no one would own a giant, velvet, red-rosed chair. I don't think you're taking into account the fact that it's velvety, Kate. It's velvety. Which is going to wear down over time. Oh, it totally is going to wear down over time. And if they're going to be using this chair, the three of them are going to be using this... Anyway, so... It's a symbol of luxury, Kate. Got it, got it, okay. An overwhelming... Abundance. Abundant. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. So they... They call up the aunt and uncle. The aunt and uncle get their truck over to the store. They get the chair in the back of the truck. No free delivery for you. Well, they didn't want to wait for delivery. Oh, makes sense. Okay. They wanted the chair right Mm -hmm. away. I just really like that the cat is holding the door open. (laughs) Okay. World's most nice cat. My cats would wait until I had the door open and then they would find a way to slam it in my face. I think my cat would try and walk in between your legs while you're carrying a very heavy chair. Yeah. It'd be like, pet me, pet me. Yes, now is the time for the cuddles. Now you're going to trip. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought it was very sweet that the cat is holding the door. Very convenient. Well, that's a well-trained cat, that is. 
and they and the grandma gets to sit in the chair while she looks out the window the mom gets to look in the chair after a long day at work and watch the news and the little girl gets to get in the chair with her mom and if she falls asleep the mom can reach over and turn off the light which is very sweet and at the very end, it's a picture of the three of them in the chair and also some really weird picture of just the mom and the daughter making really ugly faces. Like, wait, what is that picture? Why is why that necessary? Why is that there? Why didn't you just end it with the three of them in the chair? Why did you have to really, add this ugly photo next to it's, it? It's a realistic choice, but a strange realistic choice. Why would you put that there? I don't know. It's hideous. I don't like it. Clearly, at some point, she drew the big picture in the center. She was like, just needs that some. little, a little something-something. I know. Let's have a candid, tiny square shot of the two of them looking super weird. And the illustrations aren't bad up until, I think, this last one, which I think is hideous. So, sorry, but I'm I don't like, like I that. I literally am wondering to myself, are they wearing Halloween costume makeup? And, and, well, or the teeth like are... It's the teeth, right? I the mean, teeth this is are all, what's so weird. This is all, like, watercolor, and yeah. you're trying to do, like, the little tiny teeth. I don't know, it creeps me out. I, I think she like should it, have so. redone it, but that's, you know... It is what it is. So that's the end. All right. So that's what it is. And so this was probably the very first picture book that I can remember encountering that was about uh, people with lower income, where it wasn't like, you know, usually like in children's books, like the poverty is like grinding. It's like Oliver Twist or like you're sleeping in a cardboard box. And this is far more realistic invisible, generally speaking. It's not the kind of thing that people tend to do picture books about. Um, it doesn't romanticize the poverty because I do feel like there are books for kids that do that and to the point where you're like, boy, being poor sure looks like fun, <laughs> you know? Um, it doesn't do that. I mean, it, the, you know, their freaking house or apartment caught on fire. That's awful. And she's a waitress. It's not like she has... Yeah. And we she appears to be a single mom. Yeah. She's got family. Right. Um, but, yeah. Single so, income coming in. Well, and tellingly, when... Vera B. Williams died. The New York Times headline for her obituary was Vera B. Williams, 88 Dies, Brought Working Class to Children's Books, hmm. which I think is very interesting. Like, that was the takeaway uh, for her. Now, in terms of this book, it won a Caldecott honor. You can see the shiny silver mm-hmm. on there. It got a Boston Globe uh, Horn Book Award as well. And that's, that's important because if you're a Caldecott honor, you don't give a speech. Um, it's kind of a perk in a way you don't have to, like right now, Cadir Nelson somewhere fretting over the fact that he's got to write like a speech for all of history. Good luck with all of that, sir. But, uh, you don't have to write a speech for, for the honors. However, you do have to write a speech for the Boston Globe Hornbook Award, and that speech is available on the Hornbook website. Thank God, because I was trying to find additional information about this book, and I could find nothing. So... As it turns out, the inspiration from this book came from the Depression. So this is what she said. She said, Like many families during the Depression, we often moved. And we had very little furniture. My parents did not much value possessions. They looked critically at those suites of heavy, dark furniture crammed into the small flats of our neighbors. They knew how painfully these suites were acquired by struggling young families, often to be repossessed for default of a month's payment or set out on the street in an eviction for overdue rent. Such chairs and sofas made me sad. They came to symbolize the unjust and depressing facts of economic life. I saw the lack of such furniture in our own apartments, some 12 in all by the time I grew up, as a refreshing offer of freedom. 
And then one day she comes home and her mom has bought this huge green upholstered chair because she'd made a down payment on it. After that, it seemed when my sister or I would ask for a nickel or some pennies to get something or go somewhere, my mom would say, we had to save our money to make the monthly chair payments. I hated to hear how worried she sounded. So one day I yelled at her in my uncompromising way, but why didn't you buy the chair now? Why didn't you wait till we really had money to pay for it? And she told me with great dignity, I don't intend to work all my life and I have nowhere to sit down. So when she got around to making the book, she decided to make a richly deserved super real chair with roses all over it, essentially for her mom. Cute. Yeah. It's kind of a nice little little backstory there. Yeah. Ratings time. You go first. It's complicated. Um, like I say, very rare that we see working class people in a book. And I really am impressed by the narrative leap. Um, she easily could have just told this like, one day my mom and I were walking looking at tulips and then we there was a fire and we lost and everything and then we started saving in this jar. Instead, she begins with the jar. Um, the jar is already established. This dream of having the chair is established like right from the start. Then we get a flashback. Then we get back to present day. I'm just impressed by that choice. Um, I like the art. I don't love the art, but I think for the purpose of the book, the art is the best thing that it could have. So at the same time, do I have like a huge overwhelming love for this book? No, I like it. So I'm going to give it a six. Okay. A, nice, a nice, healthy six. I think it's a lovely story. I think it's really sweet, but I don't remember the title, and I never will. <laughs> and I gave it a 4.5. A 4.5, wow. I think wow. it's sweet, but I think it's a bit forgettable. Mm. There's no real drama other than the fire, which is a flashback, so there's no, like, present-day drama. Yeah. Well, it the just... fire is impressive, but yeah. But And I like how it teaches saving your money. It does, very much so. Which yeah. is important. Yep. But I don't think I'm... Good. Well, I'm definitely not going to remember the title, and I don't think I'm going to remember this book in, like, six months to a year, and after that... So after that, for a little while, you're going to remember it as a something-something-something for my chair something. book. The chair book. Yeah. Yeah, and then it'll just flip into And the... then I might remember that there were roses on it, and that's it. And the question is, do I remember it mostly because of the Reading Rainbow sequence? And that may well be the case. Because, you know, when you've animated something, it's a little more memorable, I'd say. So it is a, it's a, it's a toe. It's a toe over, over the, the line. line. Like, a, like a, like a pinky, like a Which pinky toe. fine. Like I if mean... I had six toes, it would be the six one. Right. That's, it's that kind of book. Okay, it's a six-toed book. It's a six-toed book. Excellent. All right, letters time. Uh, so our problem, Kate, with this podcast is that people keep not being dead, uh, that we do the books of. <laughs> And, uh... I don't think that's a problem, but... Actually, it's not really a problem. It's definitely not a problem in this case, because guess who wrote in? Andrea Zimmerman, who wrote Trashy Town. Uh-oh. Oh, no, no, no. She's... <laughs> she probably didn't listen to you at all. Okay, good. Exactly. Because she writes, Thanks, Betsy, for all the Trashy Town love in the podcast. Maybe she <laughs> just, just listened to you. Maybe she just, <laughs> just heard me. Well, I am rather loud. Um, as to your burning question of how Mr. Gilly was named, at the time I wrote this book... I had the movie Urban Cowboy featuring the Texas Honky Tonk Club of singer Mickey Gilly rattling around in my head, and I thought the name was jaunty and cheerful, so I simplified it to Mr. Gilly. So when she told me this, I got Urban Cowboy mixed up with 
Midnight Cowboy, because mm. Midnight Cowboy could easily have been named Urban Cowboy, right? It's essentially the same thing, but they're very different films. Yes. So yes. I was like, what? It's like, I, he's got rats. Like, is one Ratso and the other one Rizzo? I mean, that would be fantastic. But no, no, no. Wrong. Wrong movie, Bessie. In other news, as part of the Clifford episode that we did, mm-hmm. I found that someone had done fan art of a very realistic Clifford uh, which is a huge red setter, essentially, standing by the sea. And then Brian freaking Floka wrote that the true caption should have been Kaiju Clifford, because Kaiju is um, the Japanese monster movies, and that ah. was come out of the sea. And I'm now kicking myself, because that was clearly the better title. So if you want to check this out on Instagram, it's if you go to Fuse number 8 Kate, you can see that. Honestly. It's actually really beautiful. And then Cece Miller noticed that we were so obsessed with the camping scene in Clifford that we totally missed the fact that the pillow and sleeping bag appear to be levitating. I think they're resting on his paw. Oh, is that what it is? I think that, because he's got such a long paw and arm, oh. I think they're like resting on... I, that's, Maybe. That's it does I look thought. weird though. If you look at the image, it is a little peculiar. Yeah. I like to think that she has extrasensory powers, uh, <laughs> like Eleven, and she's just making things float. From Stranger point. Things? Sure. Okay. Emily Elizabeth is Eleven. My theory. Uh, and finally, Mrs. Little Books noted Emily Elizabeth has dead eyes, and Birdwell Island feels straight out of the Truman Show. <laughs> Now, this comment is very interesting. It expresses and suggests a greater familiarity with the world of Clifford than we were getting from that first book. But I do believe um, that Birdwell Island may be the name of where they live. What's strange about that is that his name, the guy who wrote it, was Bridwell. Yeah. So maybe that was intentional somewhere? I don't know. This calls for further research. If you would like to clarify, folks, email us at fusekdata at gmail.com. All right, grown-up things we like. You go first. I'm so excited. Um, so we don't tend to do podcasts just, like, we don't just do uh, living people. We do dead people. We do them both at the same time. But there is a new podcast, so new, that only two episodes have been released in addition to the very brief pilot. I literally discovered it this morning because Instagram, which is evil, is very good at suggesting things to me. <laughs> and it said, Betsy, would you like to listen to the podcast Marlon and Jake read dead people and I said what is that and it said well it's hosted by Marlon James uh you remember Marlon James he he won the 2015 man booker prize for black leopard red wolf which came out in 2019 is very popular in your library and it's with his editor Jake Morrissey and I said "Ooh, I would like to hear that and it's a delight they argue about whether books are basically deserving of being remembered or classics um they actually through their conversation, convinced me that I actually want to borrow... I just did. I borrowed the audiobook of We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson because they made it sound so interesting. So they do what we do, but with adult books? Yes, except they also do children's books. I was going to be coming in here and being like, yeah, all that... No, they, they've done Alice in Wonderland. And they do, oh, they, they don't do picture books. No, they, well, no, not yet. But they've done Little House. Because as soon as they do, they're stepping on our turf. Oh, seriously, and right? Take them down. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but no, they go so fast through so many pro, you know, different uh, topics, you cannot keep track of them. And yes, I was shocked. And they, well, I should say that Jake always hates whatever children's book he mentions. Um, but he will mention quite a few of them. So fascinating. Uh, what is yours? 
I have a very exciting new board game that I am obsessed with. Okay. It is called Horrified. And you have played this? I have played it for hours. What? And I just bought it like three days ago. It took hours to play or you just kept no, playing it over kept and over? Kept playing over oh, and over and over. So, by yourself or with someone else? With someone else. Okay. So on the cover of the board game, you can see, uh, you know, Frankenstein's monster and the bride, Dracula, mummy, invisible man, wolf man, and the creature from the Blue Lagoon. Yeah. Black Lagoon. Black? Blue? Black. Black. Right. Blue Lagoon was a completely different book. <laughs> right. <Okay>. So, <laughs> So your goal is to get rid of the monsters that are on the board. So you oh. might be fighting Dracula and the mummy. You might be fighting the invisible man and the wolf man. And it's very fun to play. There's so many different ways of playing it. It's a collaborative game. Nice. So you can play it by yourself or you can play it with up to five people. They recommend ages 10 and up. Um, and I highly recommend this game because it's definitely reusable. I love collaborative games. I like the the fact that you're trying to like take down Dracula, you know, yeah, yeah. by like knocking down all the coffins and then essentially killing him. Um, but no, it's fun. It's highly recommended. It's called Horrified, and it was cheaper at Target than it was on Amazon. Oh, so, well, there you go. Good yeah. to know. That's a that's a tip. Yes, a tip for the folks. Well, folks, if you would like to actually see Kate and I discuss such things as board games and podcasts and, oh, I don't know, children's books, we're going to be doing a live show. Are we not, Kate? Yes, our first live show. Our very first live show. We will be in Ann Arbor at the Kid Litosphere Conference. And this is going to be on March, oh, let's say... 28th? 28th. Which is a Saturday. It is a Saturday. And uh, that'll be at KidLitCon. We will have more information in the show notes of this podcast. But if you would like to come out and see us do our live show, uh, Kate doesn't know what it is yet, but I've got a super special book that we'll be doing for that very episode. So if you're not sure who I am, I'll be the one that looks lost, like walking around like, uh, I don't uh-huh. know who you got. That'll be And me. I'll be the one looking supremely confident, <laughs> just bashing people out of my way. <laughs> Move, little person. Don't you know who I am? I'm thinking maybe I should wear like ripped jeans and like my chains and like sure. leather jacket so I can really stick out like a sword. If thumb. you do that, I'm gonna uber uh, librarian it up. I'm gonna put my hair in a bun. I'm yeah. gonna wear plaid. Well, can you get the chain and... that goes with the glasses? Yeah, I'm getting the chain. Okay, then we'll walk a... in there and they'll yeah. be like, what is this? Which one is which? <laughs> we cannot even tell. So come on out and see us, folks. And until then, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse Number 8 Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime and our penny drop is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird. 